This is our Pacific Northwest Music. We're going to be talking to local musicians, bands, talking about their passions and why they play such awesome music. Why would I ever want to miss this? Find us on Instagram or Facebook, Our PNW Music, or our website, ourpnwmusic.com. Skagit Valley, you don't want to miss this. This is part two of our interview with Jack Mattingly. If you haven't heard part one, please go to ourpnwmusic.com. Can we talk about, like, I mean, Christine, you know, she's... She doesn't have the notes in front of her. She wrote some amazing notes here mm-hmm. on some stuff and some good questions. Yeah. Can you talk about, like, some of those uh, – you mentioned some gigs that, like, maybe people weren't even paying attention or something. Mm-hmm. Has there been, like, one that just sticks out where it's embarrassing or maybe something happened where you're just like, really? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's got to be a, at least a couple of those, I would think. Yeah, there are. Um, there's one that I almost want to talk about but maybe don't because it is um, – no, you do. I do, I do, and I'm happy to talk about it. I'm happy to talk about it. I just, it's almost like sad to do it without my band. It's the great um, Twist River Pub. Ah. I don't know what you call it, train wreck? Or, I mean, it, it was one that was like awesome, and I loved playing it, but it was the weirdest, weirdest show we have ever played, period. And we still talk about it. And so I almost feel like having them here to tell part of the story would be nice and it was you know when we first started out but um let's just say have you seen um from dusk till dawn yeah you know how that ends right (laughs) that's about how it felt in that town this small mountain town we're playing it's a room full of people and then it got weird and people didn't turn into vampires but they might as well have i mean because there was like well there was a lot of prostitutes and twisp i didn't know that was a thing there was cocaine coming out there was people hitting on everybody and trying to shack up, and we were hiding out. At one point, we were on the roof, and, I mean, it was uh, it was pretty wild. I'm, I probably shouldn't even go into it on the You were radio. on the roof? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> For a little bit there. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Well, uh, then talk about it. You played there again. Yeah, we did play there again, but that, that was a different, um, different time, um, you know, years later. This event was for a radio station the man from the bookstore told me what to look for Told me about a universe where everything and everyone was glowing like the light You see deep in the night Well I was just stoned, I was feeling all alone I wasn't going home and so I thought I'd take a look And open up a book, that's when I found you You were scribbled on the cover page and said it turned to 42 And so I didn't, I found you, the words were so peculiar story so familiar a sleepy head too far from bed a hungry heart that can't be fed i feel you oh god how i feel you and that is why i had to steal you i took the book and took a knee underneath the willow tree and read about the fights and cold and lonely nights that you spent all alone beside your telephone waiting for the call you waited through the fall and the winter the spring the end the summer flings your world that fell apart just like your shattered heart and the man came by and the hands they pulled you in i don't know why but you were my only friend and now i know what life is all about now i know what i can live without So I wander town, sun ups and down, digging through the lost and found, searching for a friendly face, but nothing filled your lonely place. So I took up an addiction, making friends through fiction. The only friends that I could trust came to and use and cake with dust. I felt that I had lost a friend every time a book would end. So I buried you in the pasture plot with Guinevere and Lancelot and all the boys from Tom and Huck. Kissed your spine and wished you luck and placed you in the holy ground where you would wait to be refound. And the band came by, the hands they pulled you in. I don't know why, but you were my only friend. And now I know what life is all about.
Um, I'd say some shows that stood out. Well, obviously, we can talk about the uh, tour possible show that we played. Um, and you guys were both there. And um, I don't remember. Yeah. I was there. You know what? There's a lot of people that were there that I was don't on remember. the party bus. <laughs> that was an interesting thing. So I'll try to wrap it up pretty short. Um, Andy had sent me a text message or an email, and I was cutting wood at work. You know, I run a, um, a bandsaw. And then I got this email that said, hey, we'd become like kind of the top 20 finalists for this contest put on by U.S. Bank. And I thought, oh, you know. That just seems like probably a scam or something. Where do we send money to be in your contest kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? That's what I thought. So I didn't pay attention to it. And then people online had to vote for, of those 20 bands, vote it down to six. And, well, then sure enough, we started getting votes. And so I was like, well, Andy, maybe we should push this. If this is a real thing, maybe we should push this and get people to um, look into it. And so people start voting more, and then we make it into the final six. And then I start looking, okay, so... It's a battle of the bands. It's at the Showbox in Seattle, the original at the market. And the winner wins $20,000 and, um, oh, I don't remember. There were some other things, like record label assistance, you know, some help with some stuff. You know, it wasn't getting signed to a, a deal or anything like that, but it was they help you with some stuff. So, so then I'm like, okay, well, now... I am nervous, which I don't ever get. But then I was like, wait, this is, the, the thing is, is I didn't, like being in competition. That is one of the reasons I started playing music. I wasn't good at sports. And in music, there are no winners, right? Um, and and it's not like I have a desire to be the winner all the time. And so, I, like, I was nervous because, like, okay, now there's a competition, and I, like, I kind of got to win, right? Yeah. And so, um, well, I, I, I wanted to, and that was the weird thing. I think that I didn't want to get my hopes up. And I, I was just, like, I looked at the other bands, and they were all really good. And I'm looking at on Spotify. I'm like, these guys have, like, 60,000 listeners. We have 62. <laughs> I'm like, well, how are we going to go swing against these guys? You know, looking at some of those bands, I was like, okay, this is going to be tough, you know. So we kind of just started practicing. We went back to the barn and started practicing getting the songs down. We had four songs we could do, and we opened up. It was Six bands opening for the Dandy Warhols, which is pretty cool, you know, because the Dandy Warhols were, uh, you know, they had their following too, and they they had their radio hits. So that was kind of cool to open for them there. Um, so I was for sure, no, nah, we're not going to win this thing. I don't want to get my hopes up on it. I just want to go there, say I played the show box, and that'll be that. And then, then you guys showed up on a bus. Yeah, the tour bus. Because we thought, you know, if we're going to play in Seattle, that's where most of these bands are from. That's where their fans are. We don't have any of our fans in Seattle. So I was like... You know, we're talking to Andy, and he thought, what if we charter a bus, and we put all of our fans on a bus, and we bring them down there, so that we still have our fan base there, too, you know, because these other people have a lot of fans, and so we got, the bus pulls up outside the show box, and I see everybody getting off, I have a good video of it, actually, and everybody on the bus had been drinking, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, man, Uh, and then I started, yeah, I started seeing all the people, and I was like, this may actually happen, I started getting my head and then I was like, oh, no, I'm nervous again. Because <laughs> then what if we start to get close? I don't want to get close and lose. You know, I didn't want to have my heart broken. And, um, and so there was the two categories you could win. The, you know, the, the judges, there were three judges, one from Sub Pop, one from Amazon Music, and one from um, KEXP. Yeah, and, yeah, and so, so they were there. They would pick the winner of the six bands. And then there was also a fan voting um, contest, which was $5,000. And... They, you could, the fans could vote for their favorite. Well, we won both of them, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. Awesome. I remember I was going out to the, the car after we'd pl- uh, played. I went out to the car to change because I had sweat through my shirt, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I had a, a T-shirt, an Austin 316 T-shirt that my <laughs> sister-in-law had bought for me, you know? And she's like, for when you're the champ, you know? And so I put oh. that on just in case, you know? So I was like, okay, I'm, I felt like we rocked it. And my mom had texted me, hey, $5,000 is still pretty good. And I was like, oh, no, did they announce the winner? And, and we lost. But, you know, she was saying, hey, it's still good that you got 5000 And so I was like, well, that's cool. So I walked back in, my Stone Cold shirt. I'm like, that's yeah, okay, you know. It's, it's the Intercontinental Champ. It's not the world title, but whatever. That's pretty good. And so then I get in, and they hadn't voted yet. And the last band was still playing. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, so they had just announced that we'd won the fan favorite thing. And then and then when we won the... Um, the 20,000, you know, they brought us up on stage. And here's the funny thing. I was wearing that Austin 316 shirt, and I'd already been drinking because I was so nervous. And so, like, I get up there, and what Stone Cold used to do when he'd win <laughs> in the 90s when I was a kid, he'd throw his hands up in the air, and he'd have his middle fingers behind him, you know, because he was the Texas rattlesnake, and he drank beer, and he didn't care. And so that's, like, I threw up my middle fingers, like, as a joke, right, because I'm wearing this Austin 316 shirt. And then, like, somebody was like, you, 
you just flipped off the entire crowd. And I was like, no, 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 no. I had my fingers behind me like the rattlesnake did. And they're like, nobody knows who that is. And I was like, oh, right, that's right, because that was in 1998, and everybody here hates wrestling because it's fake. But um, so there's some pictures of me. I like U.S. Bank had to cut off my middle fingers up top. It just looked like I'm holding up two fists, you know. And I think that didn't do us any favors afterwards, but the judges were like, cool, you guys are real jerks. You just flipped everybody off after one, and I, I – I apologize. That's not what I meant to do. I was just um, having fun. So that was a memorable show, obviously, because we left there with twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, twenty five. Twenty five. You're right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, twenty thousand. We went to the casino immediately after, and we tried to double the five. We did not double the five. <laughs> it was black, not red. <laughs> it was an amazing night, though. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, the crowd was yeah. crazy wild, and yeah. You guys just rocked it. Yeah. I mean, all the bands were great. Of yeah, course, they sure were. Yeah. You guys, of course, it was nice favorites. knowing that the bands were all good. You know, like yeah. knowing that it wasn't like we were just, you know, playing against just whoever, you know, um, but that they were all good bands and that they were all voted there too. You know, they did yeah. the same process. So it was like, it was, it was a fair, uh, it was kind of neat too because there were different types. I mean, yeah. there were all totally different, different genres, genres yep. because, yeah, yep. they were, you guys, every band was unique in their own way. Yeah. No. I don't remember. Yeah, that's, that's, you know what? That's how a lot of people remember that show. Luckily, you're the only person who has a video of it, and yeah. so if people need to see it, they can watch it. And yeah. Well, that was the cool thing was, uh, you know, I thought about it because of, you know, I'm I like doing stuff online and with mm-hmm. social media and stuff, and I was like, give me somebody's phone, yeah, so, so I can get on live. your guys' thing. We went live on Facebook yeah. for you guys because it was like. Yeah. It's the least I can do. And good thing no, I didn't drop the cool. phone. That was cool. That was the only. That's the only like live footage of the whole show that um, exists. You know that I know of. I'm sure that there was a camera crew for U.S. Bank and everything. Until you flipped them off. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, Let's wrap it up. Let's just give them the twenty thousand and get out of here. Deal's a deal. So yeah. answer a question for um, my eleven year old daughter Rachel. Mm-hmm. You bet. Um, you know she's got her little Spotify mm-hmm. playlist and. Mm-hmm. She's got her, you know, a little bit of Taylor Swift, a little yep. bit of Lord, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this kind of thing. And and then she yep. always turns to me and asks me, and she plays your music over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And she says, how come Jack Manningly isn't known all across mm-hmm. the United States? Well. I know that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, probably for, for one, I mean, a lot of times that's just like right place, right time. But also a little bit my own fault. Um, I have been approached before with maybe some more opportunities that most people would have taken that I did not, that I didn't want to, because I don't want to censor myself. I don't want to change my music. And I don't think it's fun anymore when you're just doing it to be like, oh, I want to be famous. I want everybody to know my name. I just don't think that's as fun. I think a slow and steady climb there, building your fan base naturally, and then being able to call your own shots, right? That's the way I want to do it. And I'm not even saying that I'm trying to get to that certain yeah, of course it would be great to be able to play and tour all, you know, as a job, right? That'd be awesome. But not if it means, you know, oh, hey, cut your hair this way and hey, take these words out and hey, also, somebody else wrote this song. We don't need yours anymore, so why don't you sing this one? You know, it mm. well, I mean, I hate to say it, and I but I will. Actually, I don't even hate to say it. So, if you listen to Taylor Swift, there's a reason Taylor Swift's famous, right? Right. And she's very marketable. And yes, you know, she writes her own songs. She did at one point, you know, and and that was like a very unique thing. And it was from a, a high school girl's perspective. And that was um, easy to market, right? It's harder to market a guy who's like, hey, that guy's 33 and he's singing about George Washington. And he says the <laughs> F word twice in that song. You know, like, yeah, there's no market for that. Um, so you're probably never going to see me there. And that's okay because my favorite people are usually the ones that you can see, um, you know, on a Wednesday night at the Wild Buffalo or, or, you know, at the Firefly or something that, you know, a small enough group knows about them to fill a room, a small room, but it's a super intimate show and it's a loyal fan base. And they're still able to tour and make enough money to, to you know, make a living at it or keep that alive. So I would say that's more of the route I'm looking to go in with my music is just staying true to myself and the music. And if that means nobody hears me all over the world, that's fine. You know, word of mouth is still enough to get people listening and, um, and I think it also makes it special. How much is it? I mean, when you discover a band, how much do you love when you know that no one else really knows about them and they're yours? They aren't That's over. True. They aren't overplayed on the radio, and you're like, oh, this is my thing. This is yeah. like, this is like something I discovered, and I love this, you know. And so, you know, I think that's awesome.
Because when when I people tell me, you know who Jack Bangley, da, da, and then they'll come to a show and they'll go, oh my gosh, they're great. I'm like, I know. Yeah. I've been yeah. telling you that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I said, you know, my favorite stage performer is Shane Gildness, but my favorite songwriter from the area, and I feel the same way that you do, probably, is Kristen Allen Zito. Oh God, I love she. Her. When I first heard her, you know, I don't know, I was 20, 21 years old. And like I felt like somebody else was singing and writing the way I write, where they don't care what somebody else has to say about mm. how they write. And they can use whatever words they want. And if they drop the F word in the song, then so be it. They do, you know? Um, and so like I love her music. and But I didn't want to reach out to her because I felt like, you know, a, a good artist, people reach out all the time. And, then, and those people that reach out kind of make no impression. It's just really sweet. Oh, that, you like my music. That's awesome, you know? It's, you can't answer everybody. You can't make a personal connection with everybody. So I thought, I'm not even going to just even make myself known to her until we start crossing paths naturally. And mm-hmm. so we finally, we did, you know? And, and so it's cool. We still haven't done a show together. Eventually we will. Well, but, darn, aren't you guys doing it on March 7th? Yeah, but I mean, we haven't played a show together uh, because it's not March 7th yet. Uh, and who knows? We both might die in a fiery plane oh, crash like yeah. good musicians oh, always do, right? We want to make it here. Well, we want to make some money. are not anymore. So yeah, I know. Yeah. You're right. That's right. I'm going to wait until I'm old now. But Well, what, uh, speaking of uh, old, I mean, you've got... You are able to capture no, not not you. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But you were talking about Bill Voigt. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about my dad. Yeah. Ed gets it. Yep. You, know, you you talk about these people, and then then I brought up my daughter Rachel, mm-hmm. who's eleven, or my daughter Reggie, who's six. Yeah. And no matter what you're saying in your lyrics, mm-hmm. there's something about you that draws people of all ages yeah. and genres, right? For sure. You you see that? I do see that, and I think it's cool. I'm like. It's kind of like amazing sort of how old people and young people and then, you know, people in the middle can all really like um, the same music or a style of music. But that's where I come back to things like like Bob Marley, right? I I grew up with that. As a kid, I loved Bob Marley. As an adult, I love Bob Marley. And I know when I'm older, I'm still going to love Bob Marley, right? And so there are certain – I was raised on a lot of music that is great for all ages. Hank Williams will be great until I'm dead and Mm – um, same with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Kids can sing Free Fallen or I Won't Back Down 
and they'll sing it the rest of their lives, you know? And so I think that there's just an influence in me. You know, I had somebody once say, hey, you were raised on the radio, weren't you? And I was like, yeah, kind of was, you know, in a way. He's like, you know how to write a catchy song that people can sing along to. And I thought, yeah, maybe that's true. You know, maybe that's... Because I, I, tr- I do try to make my songs catchy, and I'm, I'm not, like, saying that that's the goal all the time, but I like a song that has a hook to it, and it's catchy, and it's kind of got an earworm to it, because those are fun to sing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody can make Bob Dylan money. <laughs> that, was for you, that was for your dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he makes money. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bob Dylan doesn't make any money yet. Another thing people talk about is you, you've written so I mean, you've written more songs than anybody knows about really you keep yeah. coming across new ones that mm-hmm. I, i'd never heard of before mm-hmm. they're new to me yeah and you're like, oh yeah i wrote that when i was 17 you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things about you is that and i've talked to other people about this too it's i don't know if you have an old soul but you were writing things when you mm-hmm. were young yeah. that sounded like you know you had had a life experience of that sure and that's amazing you don't see that a lot from um younger people you can yeah. see the progression of how people mature in their songwriting but you yeah. were mature like at 16 17 well you know maybe my songs were i definitely my personality <laughs> no yeah was you know still very much 16 um but yeah i think that so for, like with anything like if you want to be really good at basketball right and you're playing basketball from a young age then you keep playing and you get to high school you know you're starting to get pretty good at it you know at mm-hmm. 16 or 17 you're pretty good at basketball you've been playing it your whole life for I think I had been writing even just simple stuff, silly stuff as a kid that when I got to a certain age, it's like I put all my eggs in a basket that had no real way of paying off. Like nobody (laughs) says like, hey, you might just get to be a songwriter one day. And it's like, yeah, that's not going to pay off. But I still put a lot of eggs in the basket of liking to write and be creative. And so when I got to that age, I'd say it was starting to come to fruition a bit. And I was able to say how I felt in a creative way than when some people can't, you know. And I'm always thankful for that. Like, I feel bad for the people that don't play music or aren't, I won't say able to, because I think everybody's able to. You don't want to just say, nope, you can't, you know. Um, But being able to come home after a bad day and sit down and sing and play guitar as loud as you want is, like, such a great feeling. You know, everybody else, you know, they get a drink or they (laughs) have, have a smoke or they, you know, they go on a run or they box. It's like... I don't have to leave my couch. I don't have to do anything that's bad for my body. And um, I can just sing, you know. I got a feeling called the blues. And um, it's awesome. And I'm very thankful for that, that I'm able to do that, um, even just by myself in a room, that I I did put my eggs in that basket, I guess. Because that's a great, healthy way to relieve stress. And... Nothing makes you feel better than finishing a song. When you write down a song, I'm sure for authors finishing that book, you know, Stephen King always gets that victory cigarette that he gives himself after he finishes a book, you know, so he has like that, that little bit of victory, you know, I, uh, I should probably figure out something to do when I finish a song. Do you have any kind of thing like that? Yeah, it's a, um, it's an eight ball of Coke. Uh, Yeah. 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 (laughs) And you'd be amazed at how many songs I get written after that. I'm like, Hey, another 12. (laughs) Nope. That is a lie. Mother father um no i don't have any good victory i just feel like i just feel like okay good i'm glad i saw this through it's getting harder for me to write well not harder but it's it takes longer now it used to be a lot quicker i just but i also didn't have much of a vetting process like i'd write it down like that line's good enough you know but now Mm. i'm just like i have to make sure every line counts because that's what some of the greatest songwriters do right that i really appreciate i'm like they took time on every line and so can i you know, because I have to grow too. I can't just be like, that's a garbage throwaway line, but the next one's the real, you know, yeah. the real catchy line. So, do you have any songs like that? Um, I think about, uh, you know, you brought up Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. and I think about songs like It's All Right, Mom, Only Bleeding. Yeah. Um, where there's, there's obviously, you, I, I know a lot of your songs, so I know mm-hmm. you don't have songs like that that have like 15 verses. And yeah. It's a very wordy mm-hmm. tunes, but do you have any songs like that where you can just, you can lay a track down and you're just like, that's it? Do you, yeah. do you think of any songs that you wrote and, and and you're just like, all right, I don't need to do any more to this right away? Like recording-wise or just writing? Yeah, either or. I mean, I don't know where the question's going, really. Um, well, so as far as, um, yeah, I don't have songs with like 15 verses. I don't have really <laughs> long songs. They're very pretty much three minutes, three and a half, most of them. Um, but I do have most of my songs aren't repeating like courses they're pretty much straight through you know it's different every verse and and you know some of them have a repeating course for the most part even the chorus i change a little bit right and so it's all just a completely uh it doesn't circle back a lot of times and um 
There's a song that I wrote that's on the album, um, the Ocean of Trouble album that I did last, called One More Swing. And no one seems to like that one. It's just fine. I mean, not that they dislike it, but I never hear anything about it. I've heard one person say, hey, that was my favorite song. And or you sit in a room with a couple people no, that are no, like, what? But yeah. yeah. My daughter, it's my, it's my oh. daughter's favorite song. Well, yeah. ah, tell her to tell me that. Come yeah, on. I will. No, because like, that's um, <laughs> one of my favorite off the album. But just because of the process of writing it, I liked um, that. That was one of the songs where I was like, okay, I'm going to take time on every single line so that it makes um, makes sense and that it, I don't know, so that it looks like I took the time, or it sounds like I took the time, and I did a lot of rewriting, and it took me, well, so it took me like two hours, right, which maybe for some people there's no time at all, and maybe, for me, that's a long time to spend on a song. Mm. I used to do them, you know, just like, well, sit down half an hour and write down, you know, and got the song, but, you know, music, yeah, I can get that pretty quick, but lyrics, you know, if I'm trying to take my time, um, that was one where I got down, and I'm like, there, got it. That's exactly how I want it to be. I recorded it with my iPhone just so I could have it, you know, so I don't forget it because that's the worst. Writing a song, this is perfect. And then the next day, how did that go again? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I have my own personal favorite songs with mine, but... Um, like what are those? You guys want to do any guesses? <laughs> yeah. I Probably Sweet Home well, Alabama when I wrote that one. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, well, off that album, One More Swing... Um, I, I would say my favorite, um, Oh, Abigail. I love that mm. song. That, that is one that is another one. I spent um, a lot of time yeah. getting those lines exactly how I wanted mm -hmm. um, to capture those feelings and, and that kind of thing, you know, because um, I don't know. There's just certain songs where you can you can tell, oh, hey, this is, okay, I want you on the album. I want you. It's like, that's fun. It's catchy, but it's not like a, no. it's not a songwriter song. It's just a fun, fun, catchy song. Yeah. And those are good, too. Those, those are, are yeah, valuable also. And yeah. Um, I think of that as like the Whiskey Fever boy band song. Yeah, totally well. is. No, it totally is. That's exactly what it is. And I like writing songs that are different than the song I wrote before, you know, different, like almost a genre, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think I even mentioned boy bands in that you song. You do, yeah. yeah, but, but yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it totally is. Yeah, Oh, Abigail, One More Swing. Um, looking back to older songs that I wrote, um, there's still some that I'm, I just like. I like playing. Like I like playing when the sun falls down. I don't think it's like the best song I ever wrote, but I still like playing it with my band, and uh, it's a rocker. And I remember mm -hmm. being in my room, being 18, and writing that song, and then being I don't know 30 or whatever age I was on the showbox stage, and all of you guys singing it back to me. You know, mm -hmm. like I remember thinking like I wrote this in my bedroom on a piece of yellow paper that I still have, and. And then now there's these people singing it back to me, and I'm on the showbox stage, and we're just about to win twenty thousand bucks. Like that was that was pretty cool because like I didn't think that when I wrote mm -hmm. that song. So there's certain songs I still just like playing because it takes yeah. me back to when I wrote them, and um, you know. Well, that's still a song that when you guys play, would you play it quite a bit? Yeah, we always almost everybody yeah. everybody's out on the dance floor. Yeah. yeah, most of the people know at least some of the words, if not yeah. every single word. Well, because it shows the it shows the skill of the band too. You know, mm -hmm. Dennis is just rips the lead on that and Dylan and Andy can harmonize you know it just shows kind of everybody's um, full skill set you know well there's a skunk in the road yeah you better slow down I don't want to hit that shit gonna stink gonna wake up this whole town turn it up to 10 gonna burn shit down drink a few beers gonna take a few pills gotta hit the road gotta head for the hills Well, oh, Mr. Winter, where have you been? The snow's gone away and the sun's coming in. Yeah, the wind's picking up and it's chasing them trees. Gonna blow the world like a girl on her knees. That's right, Rudy, you got it. Well, there's a big black fly in the corner of my eye. It won't fly away till the day that a die flew in from the east for the cow shit feast. That's what a man I gotta make, he rest in pieces. I wanna know what you gonna do. I wanna know when they come for you. Where you gonna run when the sun falls down?
Well, the girl next door couldn't take it anymore. They found her laying naked on the bathroom floor, but they came too late. It was such a sad state. She just couldn't live in a world full of hate. Well, I've been down, but never like this. I've been kicked around, but I've never been pissed. Gotta get pissed drunk before the morning light comes. Then I roll on like a tom on the drums. Well, there's a skunk in the road. Yeah, you better slow down. I don't want to hit that shit. Gonna stink, gonna wake up this whole town. Turn it up to 10, gonna burn shit down. Drink a few beers, gonna take a few pills. Gotta hit the road, gotta head for the hills. And I wanna know what you gonna do. I wanna know when they come for you. Where you gonna run when the sun falls down? What about things like songs that other people don't know about, like Louder, which is one of my yeah, favorites, but yeah. you can't hear that. I mean, you can if you know me, or apparently my drummer Andy Brown's got a CD called. What is it called? Deep uh, Cuts deep and Rarities? Deep Cuts and Rarities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those are songs that I sent him a long time ago. If you get to know Andy, yeah. you're in. It's very easy to get, get to know Andy. I'm going to give you a couple of hints. <laughs> Buy him a beer. There you go. You just got to know Andy. Buy him a beer, and you are in. He'll be a good dude to you. He'll uh, spin you a yarn. He'll give you one of my CDs. Yeah. Um, he'll probably ask you to buy him another beer. and It'll be guys, worth it, though. Yeah, it'll be worth it. You'll, you'll be friends for life. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. So there's certain songs like yeah, louder. You know, that's um, it's not that I don't want them. They'll they'll get recorded eventually. Maybe I you know. It's so. just like my problem is is when I write a bunch of new songs, I don't want to go back and record a bunch of old songs that I don't yeah. feel. And I know that doesn't always make sense to everybody. They're like, but people haven't heard these ones. But if I start making music for what people haven't heard or want to hear, then I'm just gonna write Taylor Swift songs too. You know, because yeah. like there's more money in that. And I want to write the songs I want to write. And when I'm feeling them, I want to put them out. You know, and um. And that's what I did with the last album, and I really like that album, and it's because of that. You know, there's two songs that are old in there, and they worked with the album, so I was like, yeah, let's put them in, you know. But the rest of them, you know, nine songs were um, were new songs mm-hmm. that I was feeling, and I think that um, that those songs were just as good as the old ones, too. And So I'll get mm-hmm. to re- recording the old ones, but I also... Don't you kind of like when you hear somebody's old demos when you it's songs you yeah. haven't heard like yeah. if you were listening to Tom Petty and you're like well he never put this on an album but here's this cool demo of him singing it and it's like yeah that's a that's special too yeah sometimes it's okay to have the the hidden tracks that are you know the special demos to give to people and um, or something to put out later you know I've always thought that like one day I just want to put out a, um, my iPhone recordings you know because there's oh, some yeah. of my favorite versions of the songs I've written are the iPhone recording because they're in the moment that I wrote them they're raw they're at my kitchen table you can hear the cat in the back you know <laughs> and most of them you can and I like them for some reason and there's other people that have told me hey I liked it when it was the iPhone demo you know like yeah. wow. oh Abigail or one more swing you know I've got all that whole album and, and iPhone demos that I've sent to people and it's like when when it's the first one you heard when it's the song you fell in love with the the, the iPhone demo or whatever <laughs> tape it is then then the polished one's not going to sound as good because you fell in love with the song the way you heard it, you know? Yeah. So, um, Well, this might be a good point to talk about the, the new song that you're going to sing for mm-hmm. us. Yeah, you bet. That's also available on iPhone demo if you get to know me <laughs> and ask me nicely, and I still probably won't give it to you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, this is a new song. So I've got about 11 songs. I mean, I've got 11 songs that are, are new, ready for an album. Um, not sure when I'll get to that yet. Soon, soon enough. Um, but this is one of them. Uh, this is actually kind of its debut uh, for listeners, so count yourselves lucky or Woo-hoo. unlucky. It's called <laughs> 17. Nice. Yep. Right and on. And, and just to kind of talk about that before mm-hmm. you play, um, are those 11 songs, are those songs that you put together for uh, an album with a band? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't like. I, don't, I usually don't write a song and then say like this will be um, for a band or or not. Like usually I, I write the songs and then we try them out as a band and say like so. Look at the last album, right? Ocean of Trouble. 
uh, One More Swing. That's a band song, right? But Perfect did not sound as good with a full band behind it. It was like, that's an acoustic song, right? And so so usually we just kind of go through with it as a band and play them and find out which ones sound better for the band and, and which ones are just better acoustic. But right now I haven't done any solo albums. They've all been with the band. Um, but... But yeah, I don't know. We'll see how this next one. We'll see how this next one goes. I'll still obviously have a band playing with me. Um, it won't be just acoustic. So I mean, I'm not a drummer, so I won't be playing drums. Andy, you still got a job. <laughs> Andy's not a rapper. Yeah, he's not a rapper. That is true. Well, um, yeah. Well, let's play it then. All right, here we go. The song is called Seventeen. It's brand new. Picked me up, you took me out and got me high. Something far from sober, I drank the river dry. You stood by the highway while I pumped your gasoline. And I haven't felt that way since I was 17. In your car, I listen to you sing. We both agreed that drinking had never been our thing. We smoked out on the sidewalk, and you told me all your dreams. And I haven't felt that way since I was 17. And I hope you know I only mean the best And something tells me you're not like the rest We smoked our final joint and then we headed west Saturday turned into a Monday fast I knew the night I'd spent with you would never last You looked like an actress on a drive-in movie screen And I haven't felt that way since I was 17 No, I haven't felt this way since I was 17 Cool. Yeah, I mean, that you know, that song... Mm-hmm. It just it gets you so excited about what's next, mm-hmm. yeah. but but honestly, can you talk a little bit? I mean, I know we just kind of briefly were talking about kind of that next album, what's going to mm-hmm. be that kind of thing. But you know, where, where do you see your music going? You know, you you know you progressed. Mm-hmm. Maybe talk about your progression. Yeah, From writing when you were seventeen mm-hmm. to to now, and maybe what's next. Yeah, I see. So when I'm, you know, my first albums, I had a little EP called Pop's Garage, and that was some of the older songs that I'd written, you know, um, early 20s. And I was in my late 20s when I recorded the album. So, you know, teenage to early 20s around that, right? And so um, I obviously write songs different now because I'm in a different place, a different perspective. But I see my music going in, um, it's always going to be a little bit weird. It's always going to be a bit silly. And, um, I'm not afraid to grow with it. I don't want to keep making the same um, album over and over. You know, it's like these don't have to all be beer drinking songs or, you know, heartbreak songs or anything like that. <clears throat> I just like, um, I like kind of keeping it silly and keeping it homegrown and relatable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to grow with it. And I know that's what I'm going to do. I've already, it's, I always do this to myself and I say, well, you wrote your last song. You don't have any left in the bank. You're done. And, you know, because I'll sit down and I'll, I'll kind of get, like, down on myself about it. Like, oh, there's nothing left, you know. But, hey, that's good. I got some good ones. You know, that's better than some people. You know, some people get one. And they get one hit wonder, you know. So it's like, I'm not even a hit wonder. I don't have any. It's like, <laughs> here I am, you know, in uh, Skagit County and eating pizza rolls on the couch, you know. <laughs> that's me. That's the real truth, right? So, um, but then, then I just, like, have to remember, don't believe that. You know, don't believe what you tell yourself because, like, who's to say when you're done writing songs, you know? You could write songs your whole life. Just, like, take a, take a break. If, you, if you're not feeling it, don't force it. And there are some people that, that say, no, just always keep trying and keep writing, and that's good. I believe that, too. But, like, for me, 
I just get discouraged if I sit and try to write about something and it doesn't come out. I just have to take a breath. And then eventually I realize over time you get those 12 songs that finally come. It takes me a couple years to get 12 that I like and there might be 24 that I wrote and half of them I throw away or, you know, keep in the vault. But um, I don't know. Usually I try to keep the album somewhat of the same theme because of the songs I'm writing at those times. You know, it's pretty much what my life is like and that's why i also have trouble going back and saying like hey let's do these old songs because like yeah. that doesn't even fit the theme of the song it's like i'm gonna play the song that i wrote when i'm 30 and then this one that i wrote when i'm 17 and like that doesn't even feel like it fits and i take pride in making sure the album fits together and i don't want to rip people off even though most people probably wouldn't know or care but i don't want to put my name on it if i don't feel proud of it um mm. as far as like song selection and stuff like that goes yeah, I didn't. I know I didn't really answer your question because no, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, another thing too that you've been—I think you played a lot when you were younger. Uh, did a lot of solo kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but you're kind of doing some more of that uh, yeah, now, yeah. and I really enjoy that because yeah. you are able to play some different things. Yeah, and, for sure. And you play with your band, yep. and so people should just not only look for Jack Mattingly and Whiskey Fever shows, but they should be able to look for. Yeah. You know, Jack Manley yeah. throws in a solo every once in a while. Yeah, that's really. I do. Good to I go watch the solo ones. I I don't do as often just because you know I'm playing with the band mostly, mm-hmm. and it's it's. Um, I won't say it's more fun to play with the band, but it's just a different energy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I get to to have the high energy show with the mm-hmm. with the boys and have the banter and then that kind of stuff. And it is a little bit different when you're playing solo because well, people are going to talk through it. They then you're not playing yeah. stuff they can dance to because you're playing with an acoustic guitar, and most people. Most people don't come to listen, and that's just the sad truth. They come mm-hmm. to be in the atmosphere, and that's cool, because guess what? We've all been there, right? I mean, I've been to shows where I've talked with both of you, and there was somebody playing, so I'm guilty too, you know? <laughs> but I also know that we've all been to shows where we listen, and we, we understand that, and we the, the reason we go is to listen, but that's just not everybody's reason to go. And so um, I do like playing solo shows, but I don't do them as much, because I feel like if I'm just always playing solo and just everybody's just talking through it, it'll just be like, well, I'm not doing this for money, you know? It's like, that's not why I'm playing the show. I, I want to play music. So so I can play a solo show in my living room for my cats, you know? And Well, me and Rudy, too. You well, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. I don't want you guys to know where I live. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, well, you know, you kind of talked about your progression, talked about some of your songs and stuff, but what, what, would, what would you say your number one song is? Um, not, not your favorite, mm-hmm, but, but kind of, yeah, people. I mean, that's funny. I asked that same thing to uh, Gin Gypsy um, not too long ago. Like, what's you guys' song that's identified? Like, that's that's the Gin Gypsy song, you know, that that people recognize or think about, you know, when they think of you. Don't give that away because, you know, we're... Oh, I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to tell you, but I we're can tell you a lot about thing, it. Ask them all what their favorite cut of steak is. <laughs> Ask them all what their favorite Billy Joel song is and then what song they think is the Gin Gypsy ultimate song because I've asked them all and I've got all those answers on oh, my phone, nice. okay? So nice. ask them again and see if they lied to you. I've got the truth. That's anyway, um, the one that I just feel like everybody just like says right away, that's Whiskey Fever. Send it back. We start almost every show with it. High energy. It's fun. It's swinging. People can dance right away to it. Lyrically, it's just whatever. You know, it's nothing crazy, but it's just like it's fun, right? And I just feel like that is the, the perfect, um, I don't know, sound to describe us, right? It's fun. It's got some rock to it. It's uplifting. Easy to dance to. Um, so I don't know. I think of that one. Well, don't tell me how to. And don't you tell me that we're made believing. And don't you tell me we're through. Don't you know that I was already leaving? It's just a matter of time, pretty baby. So tell me what you're gonna do. Cause you said you're loving, now I'm gonna send it back to you. Don't you tell me about your good vibrations. You gotta think that I'm dumb. Well, you've been getting some side invitations. And now I know who it's from. It's just a matter of days, pretty baby So tell me what you're gonna do Cause you said you're loving, now I'm gonna send it back Too much to repair 
when the sun falls down because we kind of we don't always end the show with that but that's usually the last original that we end with and then we do a cover you know um and so those two songs kind of bookend like nicely and then then there's also those people that'll tell you like right there in the middle of it the song that everybody kind of says that's the whiskey fever spirit is and we don't play it very often is life too short Mm. yeah you know because it's got attitude and it's fun and when we recorded it all three of the guys we're singing backup vocals, you know, um, mm. Dylan, Andy, and uh, our guitar player at the time, Mike Lamb, and they were all in the studio and they were doing the, um, the call and response that we did. So it was very much a band song, right? We were all incorporated singing in it. And yeah, th- I don't know. That one is one that's got some attitude that it seems like there's a pretty good um, fan base of that song. <laughs> the only reason we don't do it as, lo- as much is because there's so many dang words and I can't remember all of them. And, and it's call and response for a reason because I have to take a breath at some point. <laughs> so... We do it though. We do it on occasion, a couple times a year. Is that what, what key is that in? I think that's in uh, the key of R flat. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's in G. It's in a classic, yeah, key of rock. Although that's send it back. Send it back's in the send key of rock. Yeah. 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 Know your album, Rudy. Oh, come right, prepared. Oh, come on, come on, come it on. Uh, right on. Well, uh, so, so we got kind of got that going, and. Um, you know, what, uh, what's your favorite place to play in Skagit County or Whatcom County? Or? Well, it was the Conway Muse. Sadly, mm-hmm. rest in peace. And I'm not saying I don't like playing other places, but, you know, the Conway Muse was yeah. so unique and it had a yeah. great stage. Well, it still does. Let's not talk about it like it's not there. But just like the fact there was a barn and it's kind of tucked back there in the trees. I had that cool stage downstairs, the parlor. You know, mm-hmm. I, we started out playing on that one, you know, when we were first starting because we, we had a smaller crowd. But then... It was just like too many people were having to stand in the hallway, and that wasn't fun for anybody. So we moved to upstairs and um, loved that place. They always treated us well. They had cool decor. And um, so that, that was that's my favorite place. But, you know, I mean, we pretty much like playing at all the places that, I mean, there, there's some that are harder. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but it doesn't, it's not because of the place, but it's just like, it's nice when you have a little bit of a stage because yeah. you know people are dancing there right up close and and they're they're gonna fall into you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the drunkest person usually always wants to be the closest dancer, <laughs> always. And they're like, I need to dance up on your microphone, and that's cool because um, they're really having a good time. When it's not cool is when it hits me in the teeth while I'm singing, <laughs> and that's like you know a bummer. But hey, you know what? You're still playing music for a room full of people. So what am I going to complain? There were too many people that bumped into my mic. I remember when we played to zero people. That was fun. <laughs> we actually have played a show to zero people. It was great. It was at the rodeo grounds in Darrington. We were playing for a benefit. Like it was like a, a, the Oso benefit. And so it was like right at the same time there was a classic car show going on. 
everybody has gone to the car show to get some barbecue and look at the cars and we were playing looking at the big grandstands at the rodeo and there was zero people oh there was God. the sound guy and i was like well boys we are getting paid to practice today <laughs> and actually i don't think we're getting paid it was a benefit so yeah. um that was fine but you know it was funny we laughed we're like oh now we can say we played to zero people i've got a picture of it you know just oh, the empty funny. grandstands but uh wow, that's a cool venue too yeah yeah sure is uh, Oh, well, I mean, if there's people, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Sometimes if I'm playing at a rodeo ground, I might just rather have it empty than, <laughs> than a bunch of drunk rednecks. Play some Skinnerd, man. Uh, that's funny. Though we will play Skinnerd. Oh, yeah. What, uh, what was the first place that you guys played as the Whiskey Fever? As, Mattingly Whiskey Fever band. Was um, that the Muse? Or, uh, do you remember what No, the no, was? yeah. It was the, um, oddly enough, the Big Rock um, mm-hmm. bar, oh. you know, or that gas station there. Yeah. Um, on the corner, and we used to play there quite a bit because, like I said, we started out small. You know, there wasn't a big following, um, and so that was the first time we played as a four-piece Whiskey Fever. You know, because the first time I played with Andy and Dylan was at the Longhorn, and it was just three-piece. We didn't have uh-huh. a name yet, um, but then when we played as a four-piece. It was at the Big Rock in 2012, and wow. you played Mike's last show there too. I remember? Yes, we did. Yeah. We played Mike Lamb's first show and last show there. I guess we bookend things, don't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hi, Mike Lamb, if you're listening, which I know you're not. You're out doing nice things and I don't know what, saving the world from crime and just whatever nice things you're doing. You're so nice, Mike. I miss you. Congrats on the kid and getting married. So. One thing that, that interests me, because I appreciate it and I've mm-hmm. been uh, on the receiving end of it, um, but it can be looked at badly for musicians or whatever. Do you like playing house shows? Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Love house shows. That's the right answer. Yeah. No, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite shows are small room mm-hmm. packed in. Like I said, you know, it's hard to amuse when people are packed in the hallway. It's one thing when they're paying it to get in and they have nowhere to even be. I feel that's when I feel bad. But when it's a house show, everybody's packed in. Nobody paid to get in, right? And everybody's just packed in having a good time. Or we play the Corner Tavern recently. We do that holiday shows. Everybody's packed in. And I love. Mm-hmm. small room a lot of people instead of you can play at a huge room or in a beer garden and it's like well you're playing outside and everybody's way far away sitting at their table and they're talking and your background noise and it sucks playing outside because the sound isn't the same when you're playing outside and it's fun because you're outside and it's cool but like there's nothing better than being in a small room packed full of people you know dark night outside and you're just rocking um everybody's having That's some cool. beers cops are pounding on the door <laughs> no uh, yeah, love house shows. I think that we need to do more of it. As a matter of fact, I hope we do. I hope more bands start doing that because as yeah. venues are closing down, like where else can you play? You know, I mean, you can play in some of the bars, but but I don't know. I hope that there's been talks with some of the musicians around here that we're going to try to start getting a circuit of house shows that we do for each other, for the bands and for our fans that we can just put on for free, you know, or, oh, that's cool. or, you know, you can get some donations for something, you know, people mm-hmm. can bring food, whatever, bring their beer and stuff like that. And then keep it to a limited crowd. Right. Cause you can't just fit everybody in your tiny house, but you can say, Hey, this is what my households first yeah. 25 people here are in, you know, yeah. I was good. I was kind of get scared away from those type of shows, you know, mm-hmm. it's not because yeah. I don't want them because I, yeah. I love those shows, but it's like, am I going to have a spot to get it. in the yeah. corner? You don't know. That's or, right. Yeah, you don't so, know. It's a gamble. Yeah. It is a gamble, but, uh, but, you know. Well, talking about um, the other musicians, you doing a circuit kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that's always impressed me um, b- about all our Skagit County bands, but especially you. A mm-hmm. lot of times you will have members of other bands come and watch you guys because they all love you. Mm-hmm. So if they don't have a show going on, they'll come and watch you. You have them come up and mm-hmm. sing Drunken Hearted. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and I just the camaraderie that you guys have yeah. with all the other bands is yeah. spectacular. There isn't the competition there. No, it's like, no. hey, come on up, sing a song with me. Or, that's right. You know, that kind of stuff is really fun to watch. Yeah, I love doing it. And I think that, like, that's just, like, very commonplace with the, the band. Or, like, even the Skagit County music scene. I love it, you know. And I love that we treat each other well. Well, I mean, we, you know, run our mouths, and that's fun. Well. And, but, you know, like we played <laughs> the other day, and, and Wes and, and Jeff from Lazy Acres were there, and it's like, hey, I'm taking a, a break. You want to just hop up on these two guitars, and you guys do a couple songs? And they did, and they do the same thing if I'm there, or, you know, Corey Vincent, he'll do the same thing. Mm-hmm. The Gypsies will pull me up, and Fanny mm-hmm. Alger and Shane, mm-hmm. whenever he's there, it's just like, I don't know. That's just like kind of paying your respect to, to your local musicians yeah. and your, they're your friends. Yeah. And it's fun to play with your friends. Yeah. Well, that goes right in line with kind of one of the kind of wrap up questions I was mm-hmm. going to have is, you know, Christine and I are just starting this out mm-hmm. and 
we mentioned a lot of people of local musicians and whatnot. Yeah. Um, without kind of coming at us with a zinger, mm-hmm. um, you know, who should we have on the show? Okay. Well, like one that you say, you know what, maybe, maybe you didn't think about this person. Okay. Well, I don't want to keep dropping his name, but Shane Gildness. Yeah. That mm-hmm. guy is not only great to talk to, he's kind of the historian of Skagit County music. You know, he's played with a lot of people and, you know, played shows with a lot of people, been in some bands with people. And, and he knows a lot of Skagit County history. He just knows a lot of history, period. And he is just a good dude. And so I think it would be good for you guys to have him on because he can tell you some stories. Um, ask him a story about, I don't remember what, what <laughs> punk rock band he played with in Bellingham, but he'll know when you bring it up. I don't want to give anything away, but it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I'd say have him on here because, um, I mean, you're just going to you gonna have to kick him out. I'd be talking too much. Or get him and Quinn in here. Forget about it. Oh, my it. gosh. You guys are done. Yeah, No destroyed. longer get a podcast yep. or get a <laughs> show. <laughs> All right, so now we're not talking about local bands. Mm-hmm. This, is, uh, this is kind of a fun question here. Uh, three bands. Yep. One you fall in love with over time. Mm-hmm. One you crushed on for a bit. Mm-hmm. And one that you would erase from your memory. Okay. Man, erase from my memory? <laughs> or just erase from people knowing I liked them? Um, okay, one band I fell in love with, did you say Overtime? Yeah. Mm. Like a slow, like, slow oh, I I do love like affair band. for that band. Um, let me come back to that one. What mm-hmm. was the second one? The second one was uh, one that you crushed on. Yeah. You, know, you knew right away, and you just, oh, this is great. Maybe maybe you don't like them. Maybe you don't listen to them all the time. So there was a band that I listened to in high school. Everybody did, right? Because they were popular. But like I really liked them, and it was like, I just like, I don't know, their instrumentation, songwriting on some of their albums. But, man, I was a real big fan of Everclear, the band, you know, mm-hmm. Father of Mine, that kind of stuff. But those weren't the songs I liked. I liked the deep cuts because there was an album he did with folk instruments. He had banjo, yeah. a mandolin, slide guitar, and ukulele. And I loved that kind of made me really like playing with folk instruments. Of all the people that could turn you on to folk instruments, would you think it'd be Everclear? <laughs> yeah. Probably not. But mm. I really crushed on them. You know, at the high school age is the right age, you know? And it's like, that's not the cool band to say. I should have said Sabbath, right? But I didn't, that's not who I crushed on. I mm. crushed on those instruments and the songs that he wrote were very personal and the, motion, the emotions that you could just feel very easily. You didn't have to, you know, hide it in a metaphor. You know, it was pretty much spelled out for you. But so I crushed on that band real hard. I don't listen to them a ton anymore. It doesn't mean I don't like them. I still can listen to them and be like, yeah, there's a reason I like some of these deep cuts. You know, they were good songs. Um, but then a band I wish I could erase <laughs> from my memory. Maybe I already have since I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think if somebody was to go through, if I had an iPod, you could go through again. I think there's a lot of people would stop and be like, really? Uncle Cracker? Come on. <laughs> Are you listening to Uncle Cracker and Kid Rock too much? Yeah, maybe. Um, but I still listen to Kid Rock quite a bit from uh, that Devil Without a Cause album. I don't like his new stuff at all. But um, but yeah, that's something that people would probably be like, that's embarrassing. You shouldn't like Kid Rock. And they're like, you know what Kid Rock would say to you? Bleep my bleep. Uh, and so that's what I'd say too. Um, but a band that I fell in love with over time, I would honestly have to come back and say that that's the band again because the band mm. was one that it didn't when I was in high school or something you know it's just like it was a slow build like cuz they're not accessible right away it's different you know but then you start to um to get into them and I was in the right place at the right time and I started listening to them I was up at, working at Baker Lake Resort as you know a park attendant and so it was just like out with the mountains behind you in the lake, and the band just mm. said, when I get off of this mountain, you know where I want to go. And so it's like it just kind of fell into place, and then I was head over heels in love with the band. Still am. And yeah, I could see that, too, because a lot of a lot of the songs that Robbie Robertson wrote, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of his historical songs. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah. Say yeah. Capote Rouge or yep, something, you know, yeah. just like such Katie a good and Driftwood, song, those, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They, so. Yeah, they are historical. Yeah, they're not exactly like a high school you know, angsty teenagers just like yeah i want to crank this up and sing the night they drove old dixie down. maybe maybe if i grew up in the south but i didn't so i wasn't like yeah i don't know uh, that's interesting too because you had mentioned that you 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 were listening to them a lot and you're getting mm-hmm. a lot from them um but because they basically had three lead singers yeah um what a weird band to what a try weird to band. imitate or yeah and two keep know. like a key a piano player and a an organ player right yeah. that's two of the members playing keys and then a drummer and a bass player and a guitar player. And the guitar player rarely plays rhythm. It's just like some leads and fills. So that like there's not even really a rhythm guitar in it. It's just between 
the piano and the drums and the bass that are kind of keeping that rhythm there. And so it is just completely like, I don't know how I could sound like that. I just don't have the instrumentation. And, and I don't even know how you sit down and write like that. But, mm. man, they're cool, aren't they? Yeah. Love them. They're awesome. That's good. Yeah. Well, we should end on a song. Okay. Um, you know, if you wouldn't mind. Well, we talked about it a little bit. Um, perfect. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I don't know if you could that would play, be play us out with that. Perfect. Yeah, you bet. You I know. It's funny. I, real quick before we end, I don't know if, you, if, if uh, Christine can relate to this, but, uh, you know, with my kids, mm-hmm. like say, we're always listening to your music. Yeah. In fact, I... I could say in my house, we probably listen to your music more than anything else by far. And, um, you know, oftentimes we'll just be driving down and my wife will say something like, oh, that'd be perfect. And then yeah. we all kind of look at each other, you know, like, <laughs> like, like a curveball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's all, you know, it's all playing off of uh, yeah. lyrics and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad to be in the car with you guys even yeah. when I'm not there, just like the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I caress my wife's hair and I yeah. feel like it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes she feels like it's my hand. <laughs> Happy to keep the love alive between you guys. Well, thanks for coming to the studio. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, uh, this is great. You know, we kind of pop the cherry with you here yeah. with the, 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 the new show or the yeah. kind of the change up on the show here. You bet, you bet. And people might want to know, too, that you're on the website, you're including all the bands and artists, their website, their Facebook page, or mm. Instagram, and all that. All they have to do is go click on it and they can get all the information and go straight to their pages yeah, our so social media can, your social yep. media yeah, stuff yeah. So yeah. we want to find all all that and make mm-hmm. sure and we're trying to we're trying to kind of become like a hub for the local music scene you know give yeah. everybody a, a we need kind it. of a vault or a, a launch i should say yeah. yeah yeah we uh we need it i love what you guys are doing i love you guys both i won't we tell you which you one too. i love more yeah but <laughs> no i'm kidding yeah. i just felt a kick yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, play us out. All right, I will. Action, Jackson. All right, you might get two takes on this one. Mm. This is perfect, and it is anything but. <laughs> Pull over the car, look under the hood. Everything seems to be running good, so why the hell am I driving in circles? Raindrops keep falling on my head. I'm the king of a queen-size bed, but I wake up and keep jumping the hurdles. And mama don't know, so mama won't mind, but if mama don't know, she must be blind it's all right if i need you to be perfect like the ocean Maybe that's just a tumor I don't know why I even pick up the phone Cause it sticks to my hand It won't leave me alone And I wish that everything that was said about me Was a rumor Well it's a small town feel With a big time mouth So you whisper it close And then you hide in your house But it's alright If I need you perfect like the mountains well I'm so sure but I might feel like I'm not sure I feel like I might hit this wall just a bit too Well, I'm so wild and I'm so mixed up, I won't slow down till I get fixed up, fix me. So I'm perfect, like a curveball on the inside. 
Close your eyes and try to think of the year You were so messed up you couldn't look in the mirror Better paint your nails before you go pointing fingers And mama won't know so mama won't find The thought she hides in the back of her mind But it's alright if I need you Cause you're perfect Like the ocean Pull over the car, look under the hood Everything seems to be where it should be So why the hell am I so broke down? Thanks for listening to our Pacific Northwest music. Hope you enjoyed it. Check us out next month. Thanks so much to our friends Jack Mattingly and the Whiskey Fever. That was the track you heard at the start. And here it is again. Wouldn't want to miss this off the album Oceans of Trouble. Go check it out. They're from Cedro Wood. Ooh, you wouldn't want to miss this 